Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I want to start by looking at what you know has gone on over the course of the last 24 hours with Scott Cochran, the statement from Kirby Smart on you know Cochran stepping away as Smart has described to kind of focus on his mental health here for a moment, dealing with what Smart has called some health issues and the very quick reporting that comes on the heels of that. Of course, The Athletic was the first on this, but there's been other reporting since then uh, that Will Muschamp going to step in there and become the on-field replacement for uh, for Scott Cochran, at least for now. How long this lasts, obviously that's still very much up in the air, as a lot of health situations can sometimes be, mental health situations included. Sometimes this kind of stuff is open-ended. This will be another example of that. But, you know, there is the on-field part of this. There's the off-field part of this as it relates to Cochran. And I want to try to touch on both of these here for coming up over the course of the uh, couple of minutes. What I do think is really interesting this morning, I wanted to kind of try to find out what some folks outside the bubble of Dog Nation were saying about this. So I tuned in to uh, WJOX. It's a, it's a radio station in Birmingham, Alabama, sports radio station there. And I, tu- I tuned in specifically because their morning show is hosted by a couple of analysts. You've got Cole Kubelik, who works in the SEC Network, Greg McElroy, one-time SEC Network guy, who for the most part now you see mostly on ESPN. And I knew at some point in time they'd kind of kick this around a little bit. And when they get it, when, when they did get into the discussion on the Cochran situation, I, I thought that Greg McElroy had some very interesting things to say. First of all, uh, Cole Kubelik, the former Auburn player, SEC Network analyst, kind of started the conversation by saying that if he was a player in a team like this, or if he was a Georgia fan, or if he was just paying attention to the situation, that he would be concerned about the potential for distraction. We're close to the start of the season. Georgia obviously has a big opening season week one game against Clemson. Here we are with practice just beginning. And now one of your 10 assistant coaches, one of your on-field coaches is not going to be there. We know that special teams for Georgia last year was very successful. In fact, the best teams in the Kirby Smart era have been quite good on special teams. That's been one of the reasons why that success has been able to come. And what Cole said was, okay, now one of the coaches is not there. You think about the way that Nick Saban runs his program. Uh, Obviously, any distraction has to be stamped out really quickly. That this situation, Cochran not being at Georgia, also has the potential to be a distraction. And you may agree with that. You may not. I think it's a fair point to bring up. But it is interesting here that Greg McElroy, who played at Alabama, played for uh, Nick Saban, obviously you presume knows Scott Cochran pretty well there as well that uh, McElroy, in looking at the situation with um, with what's going on with Cochran being gone from Georgia, actually makes a case that maybe, as far as the on-field part of this, maybe the, the distraction of, of Cochran not being at Georgia practice right now might not be as significant as some would assume. I think this is a very interesting take from Greg, Greg McElroy. It's from this Monday morning on WJOX there in Birmingham. Let me let you hear a little bit of a taste of McElroy talking about Cocker not being here. Take a listen to this right now. I wouldn't say it's going to have an impact negatively on the program. Maybe I guess I just live in such a focused mindset. Like, I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, man, where's our special teams coach? Grant, I was a quarterback. I, mean, I didn't think about things like that. I was worried exclusively about my relationship with the guys I was sharing the huddle with and my OC. If my OC was gone, then, yeah, I might notice there being a little bit of a void when you take to practice, but when you're doing special teams, kind of all hands on deck, like all the coaches are coaching their little specific 
uh, whatever their role is within special teams, they're kind of coaching that up. So I don't feel like that's going to be some huge absence, especially knowing who's taking the void of Scott Cochran. So I, I don't think this could have a negative effect on Georgia whatsoever. They have a veteran group that should be able to weather the storm and not allow it to affect them very much. So I'm going to try to like keep a lot of kind of plates in the air during this discussion, because the one thing I don't want to lose sight of is how not being a part of football potentially impacts Cochran individually. And I do think that's really important. I want to do that here coming up in a couple of moments, but this is also a football show. We talk about a football team and there's naturally going to be a lot of curiosity among Georgia fans of what does Cochran not being in practice do to impact the team that I love. And you hear Greg McElroy right there saying, maybe it doesn't do quite so much because, you know, in the early days of uh, Mark Rick, there were, you know, lots of guys that were working to help special teams. Uh, you know, we've seen special teams be divvied up amongst, you know, a lot of, you know, hands in coaching. It's not always a special teams coordinator who's tasked with getting that as well near the bottom of the country, almost, you know, 90 something in the country in terms of the overall special teams efficiency. But Georgia leapt way up into the top 10. And, and even higher than that for 2017, there's a huge transformation that occurred. Was it they got better coaching on special teams? Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But I think the thing that you really zeroed in on there in the transformation of 2016, 2017 was the fact that Georgia had better players playing on special teams. Georgia added a number three recruiting class in the 2017 recruiting cycle. And so when you're better on special teams in 2017, one of the reasons why you were, were better is because you just had a deeper roster. You know, Smart's transformation of this Georgia roster, he now had two recruiting classes he could lean on, including a very highly rated 2017 class. All of a sudden, you had some talented freshmen, things like that, playing on special teams. That was a part of the transformation. I don't want to belittle the role that a special teams coach plays at a place like Georgia. It's obviously important. But I'm also of the belief that it's actually the horses that you put on the field, the talent that you put on the field, that probably determines your special team success one way or another. If you've got really athletic guys chasing down kick returners, if you've got your own really athletic guys who are, are your kick returners, if you've got well-trained specialists, you know, guys like Jake Kamara and Jack Pudlowski, who for the most part have gotten that training outside the Georgia program with guys who work with kickers and punters for a living, I think for the most part, I don't want to say the special teams coach is completely interchangeable, but it's probably more interchangeable than some of the other coaching roles on a team like this. And you also hear McElroy at the end of this saying, especially given who Georgia gets a chance to bring into the fold. And as you know, it's been well-written about, well-covered at Dog Nation by now, and others have reported on this too, the fact that the person that will be stepping in while Scott Cochran is away from the team is Will Muschamp, former South Carolina head coach, former Florida head coach, and obviously a guy that knows the Georgia program as a former player here. And once again, McElroy on WJOX today went into great detail about why he thinks that having Muschamp in this spot now is actually maybe overall, and at least in the according to the reading of McElroy here, a net positive for UGA. Let me let you hear Greg McElroy one more time. How could you not gain from having a guy that much experience, head coaching experience? I mean, I think that having a coach like Will Muschamp's in some ways really valuable because he's experienced both ends of the spectrum where, hey, man, we went down that path and it was really unsuccessful. Let's not do that here. Like, for instance, if you've seen both sides of it, and by the way, you've coached and been a head coach at two different programs that we consider Georgia to be rivals, that's something that's pretty remarkable. And to have that just waiting in the wings is really, really huge. So I hate very much 
that Scott Cochran's going through what he's going through, and I hope very much so that he's going to be all right and can return to action and help the team win. But I also don't think for Georgia's sake it has much of a negative impact if, in fact, he can't return this year. I think one of the things that McElroy is hinting at there is something a lot of Georgia fans are also thinking about there as well. I mean, I, I really haven't heard many fans thus far, and I've tried to follow the reaction over the course of the last you know, 24 hours or so since we first heard about this. I haven't heard many Georgia fans say, oh, boy, I can't wait for Will Muschamp to get his DNA all over this Georgia special teams. I, I can't wait to see what Muschamp kind of cooks up when it comes to UGA special teams, mostly because the Georgia special teams are already pretty good. You credit Scott Cochran with that, but also because I think people just kind of intuitively assume that if you've got good athletes chasing down kicks, they're going to find a kick returner to go tackle. That's just kind of the way that goes. But one of the things you do hear a lot of Georgia fans saying is, oh, my gosh, think about the potential you unlock for Muschamp once he is officially an on-field coach. All of a sudden, he's able to maybe have some influence over the defense. Not to say that Georgia's not well coached on defense already at the coordinator spot with Lanning and the various position coaches there as well. But having Muschamp now, you know, by rule, more free to interact with that defense, it's maybe not a bad thing when it's all said and done. Plus, as a lot of folks have brought up, Muschamp is also a tireless recruiter. His impact has already been felt on Georgia's 2022 recruiting class. I'll remind you that when Jalen Walker made his pledge to UGA at his ceremony, the first name that he mentioned on, was it CBS Sports HQ, whatever that streaming service is called, uh, the first name that he mentioned as to why he chose Georgia was, as he said, Coach Muschamp, referencing Will Muschamp. That Muschamp has been an influence on Walker. He's been an influence on you know other Georgia targets for this cycle there as well. And all of a sudden, now that he's an on-field coach, now he can start taking in-home visits again. That's something that he's able to do right here, too. So all of this incredibly valuable, all of this really good for Georgia. There's clearly a, a Cochran element to this individually. We're going to touch on that. But let me join the echo of folks who right now are saying the fact that Georgia had someone of the caliber and the capability of – my name's Brandon Adams, and this is a little bit different version of Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Palo Window and Door of Georgia – Appreciate you being with us on video and podcast and radio and everything else. Sorry for the late start today. I joked about this a moment ago, but it's worth saying again. I'm just really thankful that I have these kinds of difficulties, these kinds of challenges in my life because it helps keep me humble, helps keep me from uh, getting too much of a big head and know that each and every day I just need uh, everything to kind of fall in the right place, seemingly just to even get the show in the air. But uh, nonetheless, we're happy to be able to do everything that we're doing. Thank you for being here there as well. And it is so much fun to be able to, narrate the experience of being a Georgia fan and following the excitement about the start of the upcoming season. It's uh, certainly a, uh, a great thing to know that you stop by and allow us to have that conversation with you. And through it all, it's great to have great sponsors like our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia with us there as well. They can help equip your house with energy efficient windows and doors. That means they can help keep what's supposed to be inside and the inside. They can help keep what's supposed to be outside, like the hot air this time of year. Keep that outside. They've also got great savings for you as well. Let me tell you about a great deal right now. You can currently get all your windows replaced with payments as low as just $99 a month. It's based on a $10,000 purchase at 84 months if you qualify. It's very easy to get in touch. There's a website to go to. It's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Let me give it to you again. Pella of GA is viewed to be the best. All right. So uh, if you're listening on video, watching on video, you've already seen the John Stinchcomb interview. We did that a little earlier for our podcast and our radio folks. We're going to put this back in order and kind of give you a chance to hear that the way that you want to. Really good stuff for radio podcasts coming up with John Stinchcomb in just a little bit. There's also some big SEC news I want to try to get to before the day is done there as well. 
But for now, I want to keep the conversation we're just having going. I want to go around the doghouse. You're assisted by our friends at AAA here today. And I do want to focus in on uh, the specific part of the Scott Cochran story, because had we done the show like normal, there was some audio I wanted to play for you. And the audio I wanted to play for for you was from my buddy, Mike Johnson. Some of you know Mike, former Alabama All-American, played for the Atlanta Falcons. He's working as a coach now, and he's doing a great job doing all of that, uh, you know, doing all of that. Uh, Mike, just a, uh, a terrific voice around the sport of football, understands the sport of football very well. And when Georgia first hired Scott Cochran, a special teams coach, I actually had Mike back here on our program. And I asked Mike about Cochran. And one of the things that a lot of the Alabama players like Mike will tell you is they love Scott Cochran, love him. Mike calls him the, called him the head coach of the offseason, really, that on a day-to-day basis, you're almost interacting with a guy like Scott Cochran as his old job, strength and conditioning coach at a place like Georgia. You're almost interacting with him more than you're interacting with Nick Saban. And I think that I don't want to put words in Mike's mouth, but I believe he would probably echo this, that he probably feels like he knew Scott Cochran better than he knew Nick Saban, that you know the head coach sometimes kind of lives in his own orbit, lives in his own world. But Scott Cochran was more hands-on, closely related to the players. And you know Mike and a lot of the players who played at Alabama – I mean, they just speak to the way in which, you know, Cochran was the kind of guy they want to be at their weddings. They, you know, they, they want to have part of their life well after their career at Georgia's done. And the place that I'm going with this is this. Is that these are the kinds of guys that we need in coaching. These are the kinds of guys that we need to be impacting the lives of the players who are coming through college football. The kinds of men that the young men that learn how to be men while they're playing college football still want to interact with and still want to have as a part of their life when their playing career is done, and then seemingly on the basis of a lot of personal testimonies, our buddy Mike Johnson included, that's the kind of coach that Scott Cochran is. So obviously this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it out loud anyway. You know, my prayers for Scott right now are that whatever he's dealing with, that, that he gets that fixed and he gets that treated and, and, and he gets the help that he needs. And hopefully through all of this, he gains the clarity of just how important he is to so many people. I mean, as I said before, you know, I, I have brought former players of his onto the show and I could bring on a whole bunch more because I can tell you a lot of them by name who absolutely will attest to the role that Cochran's played in their lives. So, you know, I, I hope that one day Scott's able to see the, 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 the value that he brings to so many of the players that he's trained and worked with. And I'm sure many of the players who've been around him in Georgia would say much the same thing. And, you know, I, I get into this with Michael a little bit during our interview today, but you know, I also have those concerns. And, and listen, I think as, as men, maybe women too, I, I can't speak to that, but as men, you know, we take so much pride in our careers. We want our jobs to go well. We want to feel like we're good at our jobs. And, you know, college football has this like extra heaping dose of competitiveness to go with it. So all of a sudden now you feel pushed all the time by, you know, what, you know, what's going on in your rival SEC schools. Everybody wants to be the best. We all know that SEC just means more. And Boy, it is not intuitive. It's, it is not natural in the midst of that environment to know how to pull back and say, okay, um, I, I can't, you know, put the pedal to the metal quite so hard every single day. That's not a, a sustainable pace over the course of the, of, of the full time of my life. I'm not going to be able to do that forever. That's not going to be the kind of thing that I can easily do. You know, I think sometimes we all just run a little harder, a little longer than we probably should. And as coaches, I don't know how you have that mechanism in your mind that reminds you of, hey, rest matters. Rest isn't for the weak. Rest is what helps keep you strong. 
and taking care of your health. That's not the kind of thing that weak people do. That's the kind of thing that strong people do so they get able to stay strong. It is easier said than done. I certainly understand that. And I won't pretend to understand that everything that Cochran may have been dealt with, but I know enough you know, men in high pressure situations know that a lot of us, sometimes we don't deal with, with any of it as well as we possibly could. So I'm certainly no expert on that, but uh, I think you would all join me in saying that our, our prayers are for Scott right now. Uh, he's a valuable presence on the, on, on the Georgia program. He's a valuable uh, figure around the SEC. All of that is, 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 is really true. And, you know, Georgia may still be in good hands with Will Muschamp. I think they probably are. But at the same time, that doesn't make Cochran any less valuable. So hopefully he's able to really ascertain what his value truly is. And uh, very, very soon we can talk about him, you know, feeling better in a healthier place, maybe adopting a healthier mindset if that's what needed and uh, just being back a part of this Georgia program there once again. That is Around the Doghouse. It's assisted today by our friends at AAA. Of course, when we think about, uh, by the way, shout out to Connor Riley, who is, uh, uh, we're having to do things a little bit different, but we're still putting graphics on the screen. This is not like it was back in the pandemic when I was like having to hold up uh, drawings that my kids had made for our sponsors. We're actually running them on here on the screen behind us. So still a little bit like what we normally do. So we certainly appreciate somehow, some way, keeping some version of this show up and running today after massive, massive uh, technical issues. Really, uh, they breached the integrity of our Dog Nation World Headquarters uh, studios here today. Nonetheless, uh, tri- uh, AAA, it's important to know them for legendary roadside assistance. I'm about, I'm about to be traveling a lot this fall, so you better believe I'm thinking a lot about that. But it's also one of those things, and I've, I've been telling you about this, you like extra money in your pocket? You want to have a little more uh, folding money in that pocket? Why don't you switch and save with your auto insurance with AAA there as well? Those who do, as the uh, screen t- tells you, save on average $529. That's not an insignificant amount of money. It's the kind of thing you can really do something with. So do it today. Switch and save with AAA. Just check out uh, AAA.com slash auto insurance. That's AAA.com slash auto insurance. AAA.com slash auto insurance around the doghouse assisted today by our friends at AAA. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a dognation.com insider. Classic City Logger insider update with our buddy John Stinchcomb, obviously on the heels of some very big news for Georgia yesterday with the announcement that Scott Cochran, the Georgia special teams coach, was stepping away from the program, at least for a little while. That's the statement coming by uh, Kirby Smart for right now. John, thanks for being a part of the program. This seems like a good place for you and I to begin right here. What is your immediate reaction to hearing the news? Uh, that's the situation the Georgia fans found themselves in yesterday. Yeah, and and first for me is uh, condolences or concern for Coach Cochran and personal wellness. So, that's where my, my first thoughts are. Make sure that he's okay. Now, for the University of Georgia, uh, well familiar with what we're going to face throughout the season. Uh, it's it's a, an embarrassment of riches when you've got somebody that wasn't planning on being on the field that you can pull down and for Georgia. And you look across the league and, you know, Alabama, same thing. They were able to get two head coach, NFL head coaches this past offseason. So, uh, I think that's what makes these elite programs elite, not only talent on the field, but the coaching and instruction that they're receiving um, is is really high-level stuff. When it comes to what whatever it is that he's going through, we don't know the full story on that, but whatever it is that he's going through, Kirby Smart's described it as health issues and taking some time to deal with his mental health, whatever that is. 
Uh, you know, certainly I think we wish him well. The team, when you played at Georgia, things were organized a little different than they are now. I don't believe y'all ever had a specific special teams coordinator. Mark was very famous for wanting to divvy up the special teams responsibilities across the coaching staff. And so how much does the special teams coach even mean to the average Georgia player? And where I'm going with this is Cochran's absence. How much potential for distraction does that create for the Georgia roster right now? I think it could. I think it absolutely could lend itself to that opportunity for to creep in where you have distractions, where you're not as focused. Now, there is staff uh, that's already present in Georgia, look across the board, and there are guys that have that uh, background and that pedigree of, of being special teams coaches, whether it was um, – and Coach Smart said, we need this guy on our staff. I mean, he's great for the guys. He knows football. He's was a, a linchpin in the Alabama years when Coach Smart was over there, and, and they found a role for him. Um, I think it's one of those where you you batten down fully able to do that. It, it certainly seems to be capable on paper uh, of picking up so, where Coach Cochran left off. But I think it's more what he brings outside of just being a special teams coordinator that might be missed and you might feel those effects uh, more so than just you know, how, how they work the mechanism between a long sure. snapper, the holder, and a kicker. Yeah, I heard a couple of people like Greg McElroy the ESPN analyst was talking about as a quarterback, this to him wouldn't be the same thing as obviously losing his offensive coordinator. I don't want to make a lot of the absence because I think Cochran himself is a pretty talented coach and a, and a big impact. But he says, you know, if it was my offensive coordinator, it'd be American honors there at Alabama. And he loves Scott Cochran as a strength coach. That was his relationship. And he talked about the way that Cochran was really the head coach of the, of the off season back when Mike was at Alabama once again, not to make light of the Cochran absence, but it almost seems like if Cochran was his old job strength coach at Georgia, the average player, at least to my understanding, might feel this loss a little bit more because as strength coach, especially coming off the summer, that the, the period of time we were just in, there's a lot more hands-on stuff going on strength coach there. Once again, not to now than, than he would have been in his old role or other coaches are in their current role. Yeah, I, I think that you know, every player will tell you they spend more time with their strength coach than any coach, including your position coach, because they're literally year round. Um, but it, I, if you're going to replace in that position, but the, the demands and all that goes into being offensive or defensive coordinator far exceed what the request is and the ask is of a special teams coordinator. And I think we have the staff that are, we've seen it in the past. You, you know, Coach Rick constantly used to get the criticism because we didn't have a designated special teams coach, uh, but we were able to, to divvy up those duties and the roles throughout the rest of the staff. And I would expect very similar to occur this year. And then on the individual part of this for a moment, and, you know, listen, and that's kind of all you really need to know, but what it reminds me of John is, and it seems like from my perspective on the outside of looking in at you, you seem to have a good understanding of this. I try to have a, there's a way to kind of be fueled by that in a way that the, the gears grind. Boy, you worry sometimes about the way that the coaching grind in the SEC for someone like Cochran, who's trying to work his way up the coaching ranks. I think he has aspirations to one day be a head coach for someone like Kirby Smart, who actually is a head coach. Like he's made the top of his profession, but you know, this, the, the work only begins because we'll head coach. Boy, we, we all love football so much, but we create this intensity around the game and, Sometimes I think living in the epicenter of that intensity, the way these coaches do, 
boy, it's hard not to see the way in which, you know, sometimes and really take stock of what truly matters and, you know, maybe not, not run so far in the red when it comes to, you know, what may be going on there with, with their career as well. Running in the red is how a college coach lives. That's just the the tempo and approach. Uh, trying to keep the their players eligible and staying on top and develop these young men because there's so much more that goes on off the field than on the field, and they it's nonstop. There's no off season for a kind of stress and strain and anxiety that those roles take, uh, especially this time throughout what plays is best fit our mm-hmm. our players and go ahead and design the next practice constantly trying to figure out so much more in preparation for when this season starts I, you know it reminds me when I, when I heard of this situation obviously uh, Simone Biles and, yeah. and her mental health has been at the forefront with the, with the Olympics but I think back to the uh, you know the the game was being played in San Diego he ends up they find him in Mexico and it was a mental health issue that he was struggling through and it was the, the weight and anxiety of the moment was so much for him. There wasn't really a healthy outlet for him to explore. So do I draw a parallel with coach? I I strain uh, of football and athletics and for a coach is very high and can be really demanding and stressful uh, for pretty much anyone in the business. It's our classic city logger insider update with John in Athens recently had a chance to be in their snow tire facility and was able to kick back, relax, enjoy a happy hour and enjoy some classic city logger. But the good news is you don't have to be in Athens to get a taste of the classic city. It's a logger style beer, which means it's a lighter. It's actually made and you can tell though, get it delivered. Still, it has plenty of crisp flavor choice and a great option to go with whatever you have going good cold beer. All right, let me transition to a different topic. Something like this. We don't know the severity of this. Some outlets saying only a couple of weeks. No one saying it's going to be anything. Wouldn't be a fair thing to do. But I have noticed something in the reaction to the Erickson news. I fully appreciated how important I believe that Erickson is to this Georgia offense. John, I, I think it's pretty clear, even though Erickson's not been a full-time that he's healthy. Sometimes when it comes to the stuff around the Georgia program, because Kirby Smart, the other coaches and players, keep their cards so close to the vest, you're forced to do a lot of reading into what me, what might be going on with the situation. But uh, in this particular case, if you do read the the clues that are out there, Erickson has been treated like one of this team's most important players. He's been tabbed as a vocal leader. Obviously, center is one of those positions that you know causes the entire offensive line to gel together. I think there are a lot of Georgia fans that need to quickly get acquainted to just how important an Erickson injury would be were it to be you know something that sticks around for a little while here. In this particular case, you hope that's not what's going on. But make no mistake, Warren Erickson is one of Georgia's most important players, I believe. I think that's very fair to say. I think he was the, one of the seasoned vets that you're trying to uh, count on as you evaluate some of the younger talent and fill in the rest of the holes. But Warren Erickson uh, has proven time and again to be uh, of, of great value no matter where he was placed. I think back to the the bowl game when he was thrust into the action and um, – stepped up admirably. I mean, he was a very silent player, which as an offensive lineman, we all know if you're not talking about me, it's probably a good thing. So uh, as you, as you look across the board, here's what's funny about training camp. It's like the inverse of dog years. So if you miss like one week, that's the equivalent of missing like three weeks, any other time, just because of so much that's going on and what they're throwing at, uh, at the guys and, and as they prepare and, 
um, try to figure out who's going where and what we can count on. I think back to JT Daniels last preseason with with him dealing with the injury, he wasn't quite ready. And so having missed those reps in training camp was a big factor in his ability to to compete and, and carve out that role early on with Warren's injury. We're not exactly sure what that is or what that looks like time-wise, but it certainly will factor in, I think, less for his ability but and, and more the ability of this offensive line to congeal and, and figure out who are those additional pieces that will be playing alongside him when the season comes. Yeah, John, I think that's absolutely right. I think that's very well said. I certainly appreciate you being a part of our Classic City Logger Insider Update. I know this is not the typical format we do this in, but your insight just as good as ever. So really appreciate your time on all of that. And we'll look forward to obviously also getting a chance to speak to you very soon here as well. I always look forward to it, B.A. Go dogs. A little bit of an impromptu SEC through. I'm going to deal with some of the news uh, related to, to the rest of the league here for a moment. Let me begin our SEC through by mentioning this with the passing of the legendary former Florida State coach Bobby Bowden. And Bowden was a guy I had a chance to meet a couple of times, just impromptu. Always very impressed with who he was personally. I think a lot of people attested this there as well. That what's the phrase that like maybe your family said when you're growing up? People who kind of put on airs, you know, people who kind of thought they were, you know, better than you know maybe a, a humble person would think of themselves as being. Boy, with Bobby Bowden, and I met him a couple of different times in a couple of di- different environments, a couple of different atmospheres, and I never got the impression whatsoever that Bowden was putting on any airs of any kind, was willing to talk to the person that was maybe thought of as a big deal, the person that was kind of not thought of as a big deal. In fact, the couple of times that Bowden gave me some personal time, I wasn't a big deal at all. Not that I'm a big deal now either, but uh, certainly I was, you know, there was no reason for Bowden to spend any time with me whatsoever, but he was certainly kind enough to do that. And that's just kind of the guy seemingly that he was obviously got some ties to the SEC because he grew up in Birmingham. And, you know, one point in time, there was some, you know, rumors and rumblings that he might, you know, take the Alabama job, the sweetheart, uh, the, the woman he was married to for really the entirety. I'll say about Bowden's on field influence here for a moment is, is that in the eighties, when I was kind of coming of age, I was a child in the 1980s. And I think there are two things that I'll give Bobby Bowden a lot, a lot of credit for that I do think he should be remembered for in terms of his on-field influence in college football. He made college football more exciting and interesting and entertaining in the 1980s. He really did this two ways. The one thing was, one of the ways in which Bowden built up the Florida State program was with this idea of any team, anywhere, anytime, that like he wanted to play tough schedules. Uh, Florida State was an independent for a while before joining the ACC. But even after they joined the ACC, they still played big non-conference games, uh, obviously playing Miami as a non-conference game for a long time. Uh, the first game ever when college game day was on location was the 93 game between Florida State and Notre Dame. That's not the kind of game that Florida State would have had to have played, but they chose to play. That's going back to the way in which Bob Bowden had built up the Florida State program, You know, playing these high-profile games going out and trying to play the biggest games they could schedule because Florida State was trying to build up its program and become a nationally known brand. That's one of the ways in which they did that. If, if Bowden had been playing those games back then, we would have just had far fewer games between teams from different regions of the country. That just wasn't happening very much. Most coaches did not have a any team, any place, any time type of mentality. They just didn't want to do that. The college football system was sort of set up to protect regional dominance, right? It's like, you know, the SEC champ goes to Sugar Bowl, beats the number three team from some other conference, and it's one finger in the air saying we're number one. 
you know, you got, you know, the big eight champ going to the orange bowl, playing the number two team from some of their conference and Hey, we're number one. And, you know, big 10 Rose bowl had their own version of that with the pac 12 or pac 10. It was, you know, back then. And there was just this kind of protection of the regional bullies. Well, you know, Florida state kind of confounded some of that by going around and playing other programs. The other thing that Bowden did in that era, which I think is really important is football coaches back then. This is also kind of prior to like Steve Spurrier and the influence he brought to Florida. But football coaches, for the most part, were pretty conservative. Like the average game plan, not to say that we didn't love it back then, it's all we knew. So, we, of course, we loved it. But back then, the, the average game plan was just pretty, pretty vanilla, right? I mean, teams ran the ball a lot. I mean, Georgia was famous for that. But other teams were running the ball and playing conservative a lot more then than they, for the most part, do now. But what Bowden did was he was kind of known for some trick plays from time to time. The one game that always sticks out in my mind was, the 80, I believe it was 87. Y'all can check me on this, but I believe it was 87. The 87 game, this is prior to Florida State coming to the ACC, but the 87 game when Florida State goes to Clemson to play, deep in his own territory late in the game, Bowden fakes a punt that helps Florida State win that game. And I remember my grandfather, uh, you know, Korean War vet, police, you know, officer for 32 years, uh, this is a guy, you know, kind of a, he didn't know him. This is a very gruff guy, you know, n- you know, not the kind of guy that was prone to a lot of emotion whatsoever. But I remember seeing him at his house. We were watching that game together. I remember seeing him basically like jump up out of his chair when Bobby Bowden had the guts to fake a punt that deep in his own territory, that late in the game, on the road, in such a big environment. Like, I believe the game was at Death Valley. Sometimes the memory fails after all these years, but I believe that was true. But after all of that, that that is, you know, uh, you know, the kind of decision that Bowden was able to make. And as I said before, you know, Bowden, I think, was responsible for help kind of ushering in a more uh, entertaining brand of college football that a lot of us enjoyed, you know, 90s into the 2000s, obviously what we see today. But a lot of what Bowden did there at Florida State was the precursor to that. He was also obviously a, a giant of a figure off the field there as well. Uh, but certainly an unbelievable football legacy. And certainly here on Dog Nation Deadly, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, we want to do our part to honor him here today. Uh, there is some news coming out of the Alabama program. And I guess, you know, if, if you're a Georgia fan, you sort of feel like the start of practice every single year seems to bring bad news for Georgia and maybe nobody else. This may be an example of uh, other teams going to deal with their stuff from time to time there as well. A couple of significant absences from the Alabama program at the moment. First of all, Jaleel Billingsley, the tight end. And if you've read a lot of the stuff coming out of Tuscaloosa over the course of the offseason, you have heard Billingsley's name mentioned a lot. You know, Alabama's the same program that had O.J. Howard and, you know, some some really pretty talented tight ends as of late. Billingsley was supposed to be a guy now that Devontae Smith isn't there anymore and Jalen Waddell, who was hurt last year, but still not there anymore. There's a there's a little bit of a of a reconfiguration of the hierarchy of pass catchers at Alabama. And people expect big things from guys like Ajayi Hall and obviously John Mechie. Is probably going to line to be the Alabama leading receiver this year, but but Billingsley's one of those guys that there's some folks in Tuscaloosa who've said, hey, he may get targeted a decent amount uh, here this upcoming season, and he could be on that short list of potential breakout players in the SEC, and maybe that still happens. But for now, for undisclosed reasons, Billingsley's not practicing for Alabama. So given the hype and the buzz that Billingsley has generated or has been generated around Billingsley during the offseason – this is probably worth uh, a story worth following. And then there's also Alabama defensive lineman LeBron Ray, who is dealing with what's being called a significant growing injury. Now, uh, Ray has dealt with a lot of health issues since being in Alabama, 
And he's what, you know, I would say on paper, one of the very best, you know, defensive players on this Crimson Tide roster. For now, though, it looks like he's dealing with a pretty significant injury. This would be a pretty big setback for Alabama. And, uh, you know, ironically, uh, they won't have Scott Cochran to blame this on. I think one of the most distasteful things that Nick Saban has done in Alabama the last couple of years is kind of, you know, put this whisper campaign out there that that every injury that Alabama's dealt with has been the fault of Scott Cochran. Well, here we're now we see another high-profile injury that that can't be blamed on Cochran, and it'll be interesting to see how Saban chooses to spend that. But the way in which the the propaganda has emanated from Alabama related to the you know the string of injuries they dealt with a couple of years ago is just odd. And I think that Saban himself has contributed to it in a way that I don't think is very professional. But nonetheless, uh, another injury to deal with here to one of the big names on the Alabama defensive roster, LeBron Ray, will follow that. I'll also briefly mention that uh, uh, Demetrius Robertson, now wide receiver at Auburn, spoke out to, I think it was, I think it was the 24-7 side. I apologize for not giving appropriate credit on this, but I believe it was to the 24-7 side on the fact that he's still, I guess, waiting to get fully cleared for Auburn right now, that he was going through a physical. And as of this weekend, I don't believe he had practiced with Auburn yet. That may have changed by now. But as of this weekend, I think he was still waiting on some medical stuff. And at one point in time, Brian Harson also alluded to some academic stuff that was trying to get cleared up there. So still kind of waiting to get all that figured out. Obviously, we know, we've said before, that you know Auburn needs wide receiver help. And, and Robertson obviously goes to a place like that because he wants a, you know, to have a big season. What's going to be his final year of college football? You wonder you know, if, if that's going to occur. Obviously, he needs to be out there practicing sooner rather than later. But as of this weekend, I guess they were still trying to get all of that cleared up and ready to go. So uh, keep your eye on when D-Rob finally makes his practice debut for Auburn. We'll make that your SEC through. And then something I got into with John Stinchcomb a moment ago that I wanted to briefly take some time to mention right now is the injury of Warren Erickson, or at least the alleged reported injury. There is not a lot known about this right now. Uh, Mike Griffiths has, has written about this some at dognation.com. I'll let you check in on his reporting and, uh, and he can kind of you know give you an idea of uh, what's out there. All I know is is that the phrase I believe that Mike used was that he was a little bit banged up at the moment. I won't speculate on this. There's certainly plenty of reason to believe. I think some outlets have said he's only going to be out for a couple of weeks. That this is not a serious thing necessarily. But as I mentioned to John Stinchcomb a little earlier, I am a little surprised at how you know some Georgia fans have reacted to this. Obviously, there's excitement about guys who could potentially be waiting the wings, like Cedric Von Prahn, who I still think is a pretty big time prospect. I think we may get a chance to see that sooner rather than later. But on the Erickson front, y'all got to read between the lines in this a little bit. Erickson was treated as a very important part of this Georgia offensive line during the spring. Yes, he hasn't been a full-time starter up until now, but I would think that he was fairly well considered a bedrock of this offensive line during spring practice. And as far as like a young guy waiting in the wings, I think if SVP was a little closer to being that right now, which is not to say that he's behind schedule or anything like that, but certainly the buzz generated by, say, a guy like, say, Tate Ratledge right now is a lot different than the buzz we've heard generated by a guy like Cedric Von Braun. Go back and listen to some of the things that Smart said about Ratledge during spring and some of the stuff that we've said here on Dog Nation about Ratledge the last couple of weeks. It certainly seems like right now of those recent arrivals at Georgia, elite prospects who you were hoping could be ready to play sooner rather than later of that group, the sense that I get is Ratledge is ahead of that group in terms of playing time. That SVP might not quite be at that same level just at the threshold of now being starter ready and ready to go at whatever position. That that Erickson's that guy. There are a lot of gamblers who you know look for teams that don't have healthy centers, and that's a team they look to sometimes bet against. 
Center's a very important position in college football, and I think that Georgia feels like it's good in good hands with Warren Erickson. So, you know, appreciate what you have in him and understand the fact that uh, if he's hurt, that's a that's a big deal for Georgia. Hopefully the reports that are out there that it isn't too serious, hopefully they end up being uh, the absolute truth here and that maybe uh, Georgia can lean on him as – as an offensive lineman that causes the rest of that group to kind of gel together. So we certainly wish Erickson well as he tries to uh, apparently uh, recover from what might be a little bit of a uh, minor injury there. Uh, we'll wrap things up. We'll get back to our golden shoe tomorrow. Of course, we'll look forward to doing that. Also reminds you, Gator, Hater, Countdown, 82 days from now, dog's going to win against Florida. Hopefully we'll have our streaming issues fixed long before then. But 82 days from now, we think the dog's going to win against those lousy, stinking Gators. Y'all, thanks for being here for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. I look forward to seeing all of you back here again tomorrow.